Hello, and welcome to another episode of Balanced Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to reintroduce to you now. Tony Pascola is a returning guest on our show. Be sure to check out Tony's first appearance on episode 369 of Balanced Body Radio. Tony Pascola is a physical education teacher, sport coach, strong first kettlebell instructor, personal trainer, and carnivore and fasting coach at Rivero, a coaching company focused on helping people successfully implement a carnivore diet. Tony had struggled with his weight for most of his life as a young kid, as a high school wrestler, and as an adult. Tony was vegan for two years before realizing that it was not sustainable. He eventually found the ketogenic diet and then transitioned to a carnivore diet. He has worked to be a fat-adapted endurance athlete and completed an Ironman in 2021, primarily on a carnivore diet. That's amazing. So cool. Based in Chicago, Illinois, he works with clients in person, both one-on-one sessions and group coaching, and also works virtually with clients, specializing in strength training and nutrition. He is the host of the very successful Primal Foundations podcast, where I was honored enough to be hosted as the very first guest. Luckily for him and his amazing podcast, he has found much better people to host since then. Tony is most active on Instagram at Tony underscore Primal Foundations. Tony Pascola, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you back to Boundless Body Radio. It is a privilege to be back. And I told you when you were on my first episode, I'm like, if I'm going to have my first episode, the guest has to be Casey Roth. (laughs) Dude. It meant so much. It was so fun to go back and listen to that episode. And I just, I'm very proud of where you are. You and I did a coaching call a few years ago. You, again, I just told you this before. You were the most prepared person I've ever coached. I did nothing in that session. You already knew exactly what you were going to do. You did tons of research. And to see that now you have the Primal Foundations name, you've got the website, you've got a podcast that you've done. Your guests, dude, the people you've had on your show, holy smokes. Like you've gotten some big names names on there you're you're as surprised as i am i'm like okay you're gonna come on my show awesome like five people might listen but hey man awesome and everybody's been super great and just fantastic i can't i can't be thankful enough Dr. Bill Schindler, Dr. Philip Ovedia, Vinnie Tortorich, Coach Bronson like so many amazing people what have been some highlights of your podcasting so far man uh i guess it would i would be you know those names that you named for sure. Um, just the variety, I guess, like, you know, Bill Schindler, archaeologist, uh, Dr. Ovedia, you know, a heart surgeon. I've had the privilege of having um, Fabio Zonin, who's a strong first uh, master instructor, and Brett Jones, who's a strong first master instructor. And I just can't believe, like, to me, these people are like rock stars. They're like to, you know, the rock stars and they're, they're willing to come on the podcast and just the dialogue that we're having. And we're talking about all different things and it could be a carnivore. It could be a keto diet. It could be strength training. It could be stress management. It could be all of those things. And my, my goal is just to have these conversations with people one, cause I'm interested, but two, there's been people that reached out and said, Hey, I caught this episode. I really like this. This has helped me. And that's actually keeping me going more and more and more of just having different perspectives of people, whether, whether, whatever their diet is, whatever their strength training program is, whatever it is, but what are they doing that's going to help them become physically fit and metabolically healthy and share that with the world? I absolutely love that. Did you have any kind of like imposter syndrome when you first got started or, I guess I could describe like the way I felt was like, I, what, what could I possibly say that somebody else isn't already saying that's like way better than the way I could say it? Like, did you have any of that when you first got started? I don't know if you've done this. Uh, have you listened to your first episodes? Like your first 10? Cringy, cringy, cringy. (laughs) (laughs) Very cringy. I'm like, there's a lot of ahs and uhs and, uh, pauses and ums. And it just, comes in time it's just like anything else we have to get out of the comfort zone and and be okay with messing up and when i mess up now i don't even edit it out i'm just like i was so worried like there's gonna be so much editing and all this i'm like it's fine it's all good but yeah the imposter syndrome is i'm just even thinking back to when i first started my instagram page because that's not my personal that's my like coaching instagram page what am i putting out there are they gonna like it uh, do and, you know, and you're, you're watching, is it, is it doing well? And now I'm just like, you know, post and ghost and just whatever, whatever you put out there, 
Some people like it. Some people won't. It'll get hits. It won't. It's okay. And not to like feel so attached to the success of how many followers you have and how many likes you have, because you'll have some reels that blow up and you're like 10,000 views. Hell yeah. And then you do something else you think is going to be great. 500. Okay. Not as good. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things that you got to get over the hump. And I was never the person to like, it's people think I'm like this. I am eccentric a little bit and I, I'm an extrovert and a little bit, but like, I don't like taking pictures. I don't like posting things about myself. And that's, that's things I'm not a fan of. I'm just, that's not comfortable for me, but I understand those are things that you're going to have to do to reach people and to make the connections and for people to scroll through your page and uh, kind of get the information you're putting out there. So yeah, it's a little, it's a little cringy at first, but now I just don't even care. That's it's awesome. just whatever. Good for you. I love <laughs> the term unattached action, doing something where you're not really thinking about the outcome. You're just putting it out there. And it's such a great lesson for everybody out there to learn is like, you got to just do something. I remember that from our conversation on, on our show before you said the same thing. It's like, you just got to do something. It's not going to be perfect. You have no control over the algorithms and who it gets to it's just a number at the end of the day. And it's just really whether you connected with somebody or not, but if you never put it out there, you'll never know whether it helps somebody or not. And so just getting something out there, I think is, is, is amazing. Even preparing for this conversation, you're, you're my friend. I, I know what we're going to talk about. It's going to be awesome. It's just a, a great conversation between two buddies. I still get nervous. I still wonder if I'm going to ask the perfect questions or if I'm going to say, um, a million times, or if I'm going to goof up, you know, the day of the week or months or what do you get like stupid stuff all the time? I always get nervous about it. But at the end of the day, you're right. Like you just got to get it out there and just realize that none of us are perfect. And, and just putting something out there is better than trying to wait until you have the perfect thing to do. You know what I mean? And the best is when you prepare, like you could be prepared as you want. And then all of a sudden you have this list of questions that you want to hit and you hit them. And then you look at the time you're thinking this is going to be an hour episode. You're only like 30 minutes in. Now you, you ran out of questions. You just kind of breeze through it way too fast. And you're like, Whoa, now on the fly, you're going to have to like, think about, okay, what do people want to hear? And you're going to have to like, just pull information and think about different questions on the fly. And that, that to me is the hardest. That is the hardest thing to do. <laughs> that is hard. And every guest is a little bit different. Like some people you can tell like, okay, at 30, 40 minutes, I'm going to have to like come up with something different that I didn't, you know, want to talk about or think we were going to talk about, and you're going to have to pull other topics out. And there's other guests that you have on, which is great. But they, they, you know, like five minutes in, like, Oh, I'm only going to be able to ask like maybe three or four questions. I need to be really choosy because this person is on a roll. They're going to go through exactly what they want to say. And again, I think it's totally fine, but you kind of have to adjust to what your guests are willing to do and willing to talk about. Yeah. I love, I like it. Once you, I love to sit back and once people get on their rants and going and it's just like, yes, yes. Like, I love this. This is great. And they're like coach Bronson. Like I'll ask him one question about something and he'll dive into like five different like aspects of it. And one, it's like one, yeah, you, you fill in the time, but two, I'm like, Whoa, like this could be a five hour episode. You know, I know I, I got to get him back on too. And cause we, the one thing that I didn't talk about with him, which he wanted to, is like we want to talk about different strength training modalities and things like that. We never even got that. And but I'm like, great, you're coming back, buddy. Like, part you two. know, just that's a that that's a part tour. I love that. Um, yeah, I've been able to meet Coach Bronson in person. He's such a great guy. That's a cool part about this community. Like when you run into Dr. Bill Schindler, you run into Dr. Philip Ovedia, and you know, all, all these guys, they're just as cool in person as they are like the way they put themselves out there. So it's a really fun community. Have you had any interesting moments in your podcast where maybe somebody talked about something that maybe you didn't like agree with, or was something like a little bit awkward? Have you ever had those moments in your show? I've had a couple different ones, you know, some, some people in it, especially like some of my podcasts are just focused on nutrition and some are like strength training or what have you. And, you know, they'll have their, things that I'm not hundred percent in agreement with, but that's what they like to do. If they want to do more of a, um, like a vegetarian diet and they want to, or a Mediterranean diet or things like that. Again, that I, from my perspective, for me, those things don't work for me and they feel really good doing those things. And I, who am I to judge and who am I to tell them like, 
no, no, no. Carnivore is the way, you know, or things like that. You have to have a primal diet. That's, that's not up for me to tell that person, but if that's something that if they're feeling good and they, and they're healthy, I, I have no qualms with that at all. And I think that's where people get that dogmaticness of, Oh, well, what, what about this? Like, you're not getting this. You're not getting that. Like, and I'm not judging you. I'm not judging the person that's across from me. Who's taking their time to come on my show. We'll talk about their diet. We'll talk about my diet and things that they think are beneficial. But even if I don't agree with them, I'm not here to chastise anybody. I'm here to get information out uh, to people. And then I've had some people who, you know, a few that have shared their stories with me that are, you know, I've uh, had a couple of people that have struggled with cancer and they, they give their perspective. You know, if I have had somebody, I got an episode coming out where, um, Sam Chacha, she's a, um, awesome kettlebell coach. And she talks about her, um, story and journey going through breast cancer. And that that's going to come on a little bit. And she got emotional and it's like, really like, that's a difficult thing. You have somebody across from you that's getting very emotional and that this is going to be going out into the world, but being there and being able to comfort them while they're going through this and, you know, also applauding them for sharing, because that is something that could not only affect, you know, just a few people that affects a ton of people. And if somebody tunes in and they see their journey and how they overcame it, that is an inspiration for that one listener. Even if it's one listener who gets the inspiration from that, that, that makes the podcast worth it, but it's going through those, like it's, those are some tough situations to go through. Wow. I love that perspective. I've recently had two separate guests come on the show, one who put cancer into remission and another one who basically put mental disorder into remission and both did it with a plant-based diet. Um, both admitted that they needed to kind of work more protein, animal proteins into their diet. Um, but it's tough because I feel like if you're in the carnivore space, you want to be, you know, talking to those people and you don't want to lose that audience. And I, I'm really conscious about that. But at the same time, I feel the same way. Like if somebody got to a certain outcome by doing something different than me, it's like you said, like, who am I to judge what you're doing? Like if you did that with a plant-based diet, that's really amazing. And talk about emotional moments. This one woman, um, we're going to release this episode here pretty soon. She, she talks about how she put her bipolar into remission by doing a, a ketogenic plant-based diet with eggs. Eventually she had to work in eggs and she works with the Bazuki family and their group. And they just recently got a letter, um, a few months ago from a mother that said, Hey, like you guys are doing amazing work. Keep doing what you're doing. My 18 year old son, um, was diagnosed with schizophrenia and, and he had started changing his diet, but this didn't, this message hadn't sunk in. And until it was too late and he ended up taking his own life because his mental disorder was too much for him. And dude, I'm like talking about this with her. I'm like waterworks. She's waterworks, like so emotional. Like this message has to get out regardless of whether you are fully carnivore or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. We both, you know, we had uh keto five Oh Eric Reynolds tell his story, you know, um, getting wounded in, you know, the line of duty and how traumatic that was, you know, there's people that go through that all the time. And this is a space where we, as like coaches, like take a step back and I got to be one, their friend too, because they're, they're sharing that with me, which is, which is amazing. Um, but being for there for them and supporting them and just spreading this information of there are going to be really hard times. It's okay you know, your back's going to be against the wall. But the biggest thing is even to know your back's against the wall, you're taking one step forward one day mm -hmm. and then one more step and then one more step. And eventually you're going to be running again. So that's the biggest thing is just showing that people, there is light at the end of the tunnel, whether you have autoimmune issues, Trevor Griffith, you know, um, was on the podcast and he talked about, um, he had SIRS and all these things and damn near death on his basically a deathbed and literally with diet and perseverance just changed his whole life around. And I'm like, wow, like people need to know this information, but yeah, it gets, it gets emotional. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, I kept something in the introduction. I hesitated to keep it in there, but I did keep it in there. And it was all about you are a certified coach through Rivero doing carnivore and fasting coaching. Um, it's a company that I got certified as 
with as well. It's how you and I came to you know get to know each other. Since our first conversation, um, the coaching platform has been shut down on Rivero. What have been your thoughts about that? I think you and I kind of talked like we're doing this. It's fun. We get to meet people all over. We make very little money doing it, but it's it's you know engaging and fun to kind of help people out there. Now that it's kind of gone, like what, how are you feeling about that? I, uh, <laughs> one, I like their old name first, meet RX. Meet I thought RX that was cooler. I don't know why they got rid of, rid of that, but, um, I know that Sean Baker has their, they've made it a public company now. If I'm, I think I'm correct there. It's like a public company and they're, they're more focused on the aspect of treating patients with, um, autoimmune issues or some medical issues versus, the whole, I need to lose some weight or I have a plateau kind of thing. And that's where I, what I get from it. I remember getting the email saying like, oh, this whole coaching program, our platform is going to be gone. And it is, it's a little bit of a shame because that was a big hub, I would say, where people can pick and choose. That's how I found you. Uh, I went through a couple coaches on there and I got some great information uh, some coaches I weren't the greatest, uh, you know, hence I'm like, all right, I got to find somebody really good. Casey rough. All right, here we go. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where, because it's, it was such a central hub and there was like a search program and you can like find people who want to do it, like endurance training, find people for fasting, find people for this, for that. It made it more accessible. Uh, now it's kind of put on the coach to put their information out and to be more marketable across different platforms so that you can get that funnel of people to find you. So that's the hardest thing. I get why they did it, but just the, just the avenue of like, it's basically a Google search for carnivore coaches versus, you know, it's one place. Now you got like, just people everywhere. And if I'm a client or a prospective client and I really want to work for somebody, that's just a little bit more work on me to find the right coach. Uh, so that'd be my biggest qualm with it. But I mean, I did get my certification from there, went through all the stuff. It's really great. Um, all that access, if you were a coach, you still have access to those documents and those files. And I'll look at those some time to time. If I know I have like a, a a carnivore call coming up with somebody who is very interested. I might look back at some of that information just to see, um, you know, if there's anything that they, they may have this certain autoimmune issue and I'll go through all that information and look that up. So it's a tool for me, but it just kind of stinks that it's gone now. Kind of stinks. That's a good way to summarize it. It kind of stinks. It was kind of fun to yeah. meet people in Dubai and in Scotland and in Australia and all these people all over the world. You're right. It was like the central hub where you could go, you could read about the coaches and you could find, you know, you're probably going to get good information from everybody, but you could find the one that most aligned with you. And now that that's gone, it seems to be a little bit more diluted, which is kind of a shame. But um, yeah, we know this for you is kind of a side hustle. This isn't your primary job. So when you came on last time, you told us a little bit about your personal story and how you came to want to coach people. But if you could, could you remind us a little bit of why health became such a central theme of what you wanted to do, not only for your career, but also as a side hustle with coaching? Yeah, I, I started out like when I was a kid and you mentioned it in the intro, like I've struggled with weight all my life. I've, I've yo-yoed up and down when I was a uh, real young just super overweight. Um, I like sports. I like all those things. I just, the diet was the biggest thing. The diet in the household. When you're a kid, you, you don't really get to choose as much as what you want to eat. And my parents, you know, coming from an Italian family, like we're always eating big meals. Um, you know, just we have access to the pantry, which Pop-Tart style. If I want a Pop-Tart, I, I had, I can have it. I want Oreos, I can have it. They're all in the pantry. And my parents didn't, they're, they're boomers. They don't really know too much about dieting. My dad smoked like a chimney. My mom smokes till this day. My dad actually had a, um, a triple bypass and kind of, you know, one, his nutrition wasn't very good, but two, he's just been a smoker for years and years and years. So, you know, in the household, didn't get a lot of education at school. Don't get a lot of education on uh, nutrition. And then I just started trying to work. I said, I got to change something. You know, I'm in seventh grade and uh, I can barely, I keep going through pants because I'm getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And that for a kid is detrimental, like, because you don't want to be um, 
the kiddo that can't c- compete with the other kids in like physical activity. You also don't want to be the one that's overweight. Um, it's just that social aspect too. So I just said, you know what, I'm gonna start running. That was like the big thing I started was running, um, started lift weights, was doing it absolutely wrong. Uh, but, uh, just going to the gym and just trying to get healthy and found wrestling, loved it, but that kind of exacerbated my issue with food. I, I, back then I lived to eat like Anytime that I could, it was all about big meals. It was all about going out with your friends to eat fast food, uh, even into the college. And even as I was going to be in physical education, I wasn't eating right. There's no way I'm going to Subway. I'm going to McDonald's. I'm going to all these things in college. And it wasn't until I got um, into my early 20s that I went to this one gym and there was the big push was uh, become vegan. And that's when, um, oh, it's escaping me now. Forks over knives. Forks, Forks over knives was big. Yeah. And then there's like the engine, uh, is it Rip Esselstein? Esselstein the engine yep. nine. Yeah. Engine nine diet came out. Those books. I like, we went to one of the vegan as like a group. We ran a workout for them and we went to this one convention. It was like a Forks over knives convention. They're talking about all these things. I was two feet in. I'm like plant-based all the way. Cause I was feeling good. I was losing weight. I'm like, Oh man, like this is the way to go. And I, and that's when I was very dogmatic. I was telling people, I'm like, can't eat meat. Human body doesn't uh, process meat. It's unnatural. We don't, we, we're all, we are people who eat plants. That's it. Like that's the only thing. And all of a sudden about two years into it, I started gaining weight again, started kind of losing the hair. My gut was just absolutely wrecked. I was eating so much quinoa and, and, and tortillas and hummus. And I, my, my shopping bill every week was like a few hundred dollars. Cause I just, I couldn't eat enough. I was just eating spinach and all these things. I was like, just like, this is crazy. And I had uh belphoritis in my eyes. So it was just like this autoimmune issue where your, your eyelids flare up. And they just said, oh, put hot compress on it. Doesn't work. I've tried it. Then they got me on antibiotics, which suppressed it, but also messed me up. Like being on doxycycline for long periods of time, it it really messes with your gut. You don't feel good. Your immune system gets dropped. So I was getting sick a lot. It was terrible. And then that's when I started hearing keto, keto. And I'm like, let me try this keto. Because I always liked red meat. I just thought it was bad. Um, just for everybody's telling me that is the narrative. So I went, uh, keto for a couple years, didn't do it perfect, but I kind of kept the weight down still, um, was doing cheat meals here and there, all these things, but I felt better. I felt better because I was just eating meat and vegetables and, and, and butter and heavy cream. And I felt more satisfied in my, my meal choices. So I didn't have to eat as much. And that's when that Sean Baker episode came out. Everybody was talking about it. I'm like, let me give this carnivore thing a whirl. Let me give it 30 days. And I just felt so much more, so much better. I wasn't thinking about, then that's the big piece. And I tell everybody, number one, if you're going to, if you're going to take anything from carnivore, your relationship with food changes. I don't chase this, this sugar high. I don't chase like, I need to have dessert because it's the end of the meal. I have to have dessert. I don't need to have these sweets and treats and treat myself. I don't look at food that way. Like this food is sustenance for me to live and thrive and survive. And I don't need um, to pack seven meals at a day. Like there's people that go with like freaking igloo coolers of food every day. I can't even eat that much anymore. I'm like, how how are they eating so much? It's just like, it's wild to me. And now I I eat if I want, Um, if I get in situations where there's food and it's like not a healthy option, I'm totally cool with not eating. Like I'm fine. I'm just making a decision as an adult saying like, that's something I don't want. I I could still tell you to this day, the last two times I had ice cream and the last time I had pizza. Like I know exact, the exact dates that I had ice cream in the, like the last two times and the uh, last time I had pizza. 
because we saw the new Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, so <laughs> we went out to go see the animated movie with some friends. And I was like, you know what? We went out to dinner afterwards. I'm like, you know what? In in lieu of the Ninja Turtles, let's get some. They had like these brick oven margarita pizzas. I'm like, let's get pizza, you know? And I was cool with that. I my I felt hungover the next day. Like I, my gut, I was like, oh my God. Like I didn't feel good. But I made a decision at all, and I understand what's happening in my body. But those are things I don't crave anymore. And my just the freedom I have every day of I don't worry about food. That's one. Everybody's life is stressed out. Everybody has their own things going on. The last thing that I want to think about, like I'm busy all day. The last thing I want to think about is food. Like I have meat in the fridge. I got meat in the freezer. If I if I want to eat, I'll eat. If I'm need to do something or something comes up and I have to miss my window of what I was supposed to eat doesn't affect me. I don't get this hangry. I've had clients on the call. Like I just get so hungry. I just get so hungry. Well, it's just cause you're eating junk and like you're getting very little nutrients and your body just wants more, more, more. So that's like a big piece of this is I am completely free of this attachment to food, which I grew up with. And that is a very long-winded answer uh, to uh, your question. But uh, no, it was a big, it was a big process to go through it since I was a little kid to now. I find I'm in, I'm 35. I finally am happy with the way I look. I'm happy with the way I feel. I'm not a shredded model. Like I, I'm not like God's gift to this earth, like a you know, chiseled athlete. But I'm so happy with where I'm at and I, and I wouldn't change it. I don't want to change my diet to get just thinner and skinnier and, and, and just spend hours in the gym to look this way, to impress people. And I think that's a, a aspect of that's my, like the why of why are you going to the gym? Why are you eating what you're eating? And a lot of times if you pull back the layers, it's because they want to impress people and impress people. They don't even, they don't even care about, you know? Yeah. I absolutely love that. You have so much in common with somebody like Dr. Bill Schindler, who to this day in his fifties as a doctor, archeologist, very successful, still has a bit of body dysmorphia over the, you know, what he suffered through with wrestling. Same kind of thing. Like he grew up like you and me, like we bought Husky clothes and I didn't know exactly what that meant, but I knew it wasn't like that great. And you know, you kind of struggle with that. And I think everybody in this field probably has a little bit of body dysmorphia to some degree and is always like thinking about, about, you know, how they're looking and the things they're eating and all that stuff, maybe, you know, to an obsessive kind of a level. But what you're describing as far as food freedom, it's so wonderful. It trumps all that other stuff. Like you said, like how you look, how you impress people. At some point, you start to realize that everybody only cares about how they look anyway. So nobody's noticing anybody else anyway. It's not even like a thing. Everybody's so worried about themselves. So I, I the food freedom thing Again, when when I'm hearing your story and all the things you've gone through, it's it's so awesome to get past the point of like I need to eat and I need to eat certain foods and I need that dessert versus like it's kind of like take it or leave it. It's so different. I, I the, my favorite thing is when not my favorite thing, but the one thing I get is like if we're out to eat with friends or whatever. Fam families the worst for me. They like they're better now, but when I first started carnivore, they're like, well, because they see me do vegan. That and they thought like, oh my god, that's got to be so hard and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, it's great, it's great. And now I like did a complete 180. Now I'm carnivore. They're like, I that's got to be very unhealthy. I was like, no, I'm good. You know, I feel great. You know, all these things. But we go out to family dinners and like a, a dessert will come out, whatever. And I'll just choose not to have it, whatever. And they're like, and everybody's eating their desserts. They're like, this has to be torture for you. I'm like, no, I'm. I'm good. They're like, Are you, this has to be so tough. I'm like, no, I'm good. I, I just know if I have it, I'm going to, my stomach's going to get all jacked up. Like I'm making a decision to not feel shitty. Uh, but there are times when uh, my father recently got remarried and the next day we all went out to like this brunch thing. And it was like a breakfast place. I had like eggs, bacon, whatever, like just the normal my normal for me. I'm like, can you cook it in butter, please? Thank you. Cause I always yeah. ask for them to cook it in butter and not oil. Uh, the pro tip. And one of the, one of my aunts brought these pink cookies and dude, like there was it's my grandmother. She, my grandmother's not with us uh, anymore, but it was my grandmother's recipe that like they brought from Italy. 
my cousin Mary, who is her age, had passed away. She used to make them. And so they made them and they brought them to this brunch. And I was like, I'm having a cookie. Like, this is my childhood right here. Like, I'm going to have a cookie. And then I get the, as soon as I had a cookie, oh, you can eat that? And I'm like, it's just like this automatic, like, it's either you're carnivore or you're not. You're either on a, you know, this healthy life, you know, journey or you're not. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this is a pink cookie. The the, the recipe from my grandmother, like, yes, I'm having this freaking pink cookie and I'm going to enjoy it. And even if my stomach hurts, the nostalgia is just worth it alone. But we get into those, again, this huge split. It's like, you know, I don't really, I haven't had a sip of alcohol since Christmas Eve. And I, and, and if anybody listened to that coach Bronson episode, that's one of the big things that I want to talk to him about. Cause he had his own experience with taking out alcohol and the effects it had for him. And for me, my sleep, everything is gone. It's fantastic. I haven't had a sip of alcohol since Christmas Eve. I had, remember I had a beer with my, my cousins or whatever. Is that to say, I'm never going to have alcohol again. I'm never going to have a glass of wine at a dinner. No, but I, it's something that was a struggle for me. I've taken it back, but people, the people that are around you need to respect your decisions and not get so dogmatic as well. And you, as a person on this journey, you have to also be like ready to say something like you have to be ready to defend a little bit. Just be like, Oh, I'm good. You know, uh, you know, Oh, you need vegetables. Ah, I'm good. You know? They're like, really? I'm like, yeah, I try to avoid a vegetable if I can. And they look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, "Ah, I feel good. I feel good. I sleep good. I looking good. You know, just like whatever. Just say something with some confidence and then they leave you alone. Yeah. You know, just got to You got to be confident in what you're doing. You got to have the belief in it. Um, And if you're feeling, just tell them, oh, I feel really good doing this. So that's why I'm going to do it. What are they going to say? Oh, don't do it then. No, they, those people are going to be around you. They're, they're going to ask questions. They're going to think like, oh, you can cheat here. You can cheat there. Just stand your ground and say, you know, I'm good. I feel good. Uh, uh, this is really working for me. Um, that's something I don't really need right now. Yeah. And then just go about your day. That's a really good point. That happened to me yesterday, dude. We did this like charity ice skating thing, like with, with a bunch of special needs kids and, and, you know, we kind of played hockey with them and it was really fun. And, you know, at the end that one of the parents of the special needs kids has a wagon full of treats and snacks and Gatorades and sodas and all the chips and whatever. And one of the moms was like, Hey, do you want, you want something to help yourself? Like, no, I'm okay. I'm fine. She looked at me like it was insane. Like, really? Like you you can have as much as you like. And I almost took it just out of like, to, to make her not look at me like I was insane, but you're right. It is a little bit different. And you're probably like me, like, yes, you can have the cookie. You're going to pay a price. Like it doesn't feel that great. You're going to feel less than optimal. Is it terrible? Is it the worst thing ever? Like, no, it sucks. I don't like feeling like I have cravings. And if I deviate, I will have cravings. It'll be about a day, day and a half where disgusting stuff sounds amazing to me. And I just have to kind of like deal with that or my sleep won't be as good or my anxiety will come back a little bit. And it, it sucks. It's not unmanageable. Like I can get through it, but it's not what I would want to choose day to day. When's the next Pi Day in Utah? <laughs> uh, J- uh, July twenty fourth, Pioneer Day, Pioneer Day, <laughs> Pioneer, Pioneer Day, Pioneer Day. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Well, okay. So, so also since we last chatted, you have started your own branding, Primal Foundations. Um, you started the podcast, which, like we talked about, is amazing. Tell us about Primal Foundations. What? Why did you choose that title? What does that mean to you? So. As I'm trying to think about like branding, what's a big, big thing, uh, a big influence for sure. I have to say it was all of Mark Sesson's work, um, you know, with the primal blueprints I've, I've started that whole, into, I'm almost finished. I've been saying this for like two years, Dude. the prime, yeah, the, it's really hard. It's, it's a, a hard lot one, of isn't stuff. It? Yeah. It's a lot of stuff. I'm almost finished, finished with it. I know Good I need you. to get my, get my act together to finish. Cause there's an aspect of that one. It's it dives into a ton of science. It dives into um, all these different aspects of you know human biology. That like I didn't even get this. Tra- I went to to school to be a physical education teacher, and I had to take these bio courses. I had to take kinesiology. I had to take all these things, and I never heard a half of this stuff. So for me, it's like I'm like going back to college. Like, and it's really tough. And some of the aspects of it is like you have to 
reach out to other coaches who are certified through, uh, uh, who are primal health coaches and you have to like do mock interviews and stuff. I think that's just like the next piece that I have to do is, but it's really, really, um, just, it's very comprehensive in which, and I just started doing that. And I was like, I love this whole aspect of primal. I like it. Mark Sesson's whole thing of, you know, being metabolically flexible. Now his whole thing is not carnivore, 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 but it is a big part of like, if you're going through all of the, um, the lessons and courses, it's like, yeah, we, we thrive on animal fat, animal protein. We could have plants, but we really in our evolution and Bill Schindler talks about this all the time. It's like, this is animal fat and protein is what we evolved on and what has been sustaining the human body and the race for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It just so happens. Now we have the industrialization of, you know, our food and everything's packaged and, Oh, now we're getting sick and we're going to demonize meat. And, and that, there's like pieces of that in that course that it like really spoke to me. I'm like, we got to get back to basics. We have to have this primal, um, like kind of thinking of like, okay, what did we grow up with? What did we uh, evolve on? Like, let's get back to the basics, um, and not really get into things that we didn't have thousands of years ago. And so that was like one piece. So I was like, okay, primal. And then like, I, I said primal foundations because my, my four foundations are strength, nutrition, movement, and recovery. And those are like the things that I talk to clients about all the time. So it's like these, and I tell them, these are the four foundations you need to like cover your bases with to, to taking the steps forward to living an optimal lifestyle. So I think strength training is a big one. And everybody's like, is strength the number one? That's why it's at top. No, I just list them that way. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but they're all equally important. But I think strength, building muscle is super important for longevity. Also, the aspect of like mental fortitude, going through hard things. So strength could just, yeah, yeah, it's, I want to build muscle, but it's also that mental capacity of like dealing with hard times. Love that. The nutri yeah, the nutrition piece is, I, I call it a primal aligned diet. I don't, I don't think of like car, car, people that come to me for carnivore, we talk about carnivore. People that come to me and just want to like have a better nutrition outlook in like, what should I eat? What's this? What's that? Okay. Okay. Let's, we were, go, we are going to prime or um, prioritize animal protein and good fats. And we're going to have very low oxalate vegetables. Cause for some people, they, they just cannot not have vegetables it's ingrained in them. This is something that they've been told all their life. And for me to be like, cut it out, like, don't do it anymore. It's like, what? It's like telling me not to breathe. Like, you know, they're like, this is, I've been doing it since I've been knee high to the ground, man. You're going to tell me my mother told me this. Like, so, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's something that's just, we were talking about earlier. If we have differences with different people, like who am I to judge them? So I call it a primal line. Like, let's get you some, like, let's, we can still have vegetables. Let's get you low oxalate vegetables. Let's make it very smaller portions. I like to say two thirds of your plate should be a good animal protein, which I think most, you know, in the industry of nutrition, they want it the other way around yeah. where they only want like maybe a third or a quarter of protein. I think, what is it? They say 50 grams a day. I'm like, what? That's, <laughs> That's insane. You're, you're crazy. You're crazy, man. <laughs> but snack. get them to, yeah, yeah. Get them to a couple of pepperoni sticks. Um, <laughs> get them to eat more animal protein to get that satiation, not fear the animal fats is like we've been told and keep some vegetables in there that they like and get rid of stuff in the pantries. That's like my number one. What's in your pantries? Uh, not much. Okay. Tell me exactly what's in your pantries. Like take your computer phone over and just tell me what you got. And from the statement of not a lot. And then you go through it and it's just like box after box, after box, after box of all these things with a thousand ingredients. And it's not even real food at that point. I'm like, if we need to get back to basics, like this whole primal thing is getting back 
to just whole foods and, and things that have one ingredient. If you're going to eat beef, guess what the ingredient is? Freaking beef. beef. Like that's it. Yeah, that's it. And um, getting them to get away from eating out, eating things out of a box. You know, I talk about my sister a lot on the podcast. She's, I have a, she's my twin and I've got her to do more carnivore, um, prioritizing animal protein. She'll still do some vegetables here and there, which is great. That's way better than she used to go to Costco and buy like tons of frozen stuff and like just cook that. And then she hits me up with, have you ever heard of Factor, the meal plan company? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, should I do that? I'm like, like, let's let's standardize everything before we try to optimize something, right? I'm like, you have time to make your own food. I highly suggest instead of focusing on these microwavable things, which microwaving, I've, I'm not, don't know the whole ins and outs of the science, but everybody's like, yeah, the fastest way to die is just microwave your food every day. But that's here nor there. Um, <laughs> but she wanted to just automatically because she saw or she heard somebody talking about it that I need to go to this because this is helping. It's like, you need to learn how to take control of your life by making your own food. And I said, what happens when you you plan out this many of those factor meal plans a day? Like I have three square meals or whatever it is, but you're hungry. What are you going to do then? Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, not eat. I'm like, but you're hungry. Why wouldn't you eat? And she's just like, oh, I'm like, this is that your body might be telling you something that you need to listen to. Like if you're hungry, it could be because that's not enough food for you. So let's cook our own food. Let's get all the stuff out of the pantries and let's just make sure that you're taking the step and that ownership of what you're eating every day. Not because like when you dive into people's day, they'll tell you they're, um, I'm eating this, I'm eating that, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but I'm plateaued or I'm gaining weight. And then you kind of like get in their day. Well, I mean, I had a Starbucks sandwich in the morning. I had this, I had this crazy latte, whatever sugar drink. I don't even know what they're called frappuccinos. And it's just like, Oh, all these little things are just totaling up and totaling up. And you're going to feel better if you have real food, prioritize animal protein and fats. And if you're hungry, it's okay to eat. Like people get so fasting is a great tool and, and I like it cause I can do it. But if I'm hungry, my body might be telling me like, Hey, you, you had a really hard workout or something like that. I need a little bit more and it's okay to eat, even though it's not in your plan for the day. It's, it's not within your eating window. Sometimes that's okay. You just have to listen to your body. So that's the nutrition piece. <laughs> um, Movement would be the next foundation, getting people to move more. Yes, strength training is important, 100%. I think that's one of the, the big foundations, but also movement in your day-to-day, -day, and it could look very different for people. Movement is like, I'm not sitting on the couch, I'm going for walks, or I'm going to walk to the destination versus drive. Uh, I like yours. The one thing you did with that step challenge where you would park your car purposefully all the way in the back so that you would have to walk all the way, you know, making these little decisions of movement and then also moving your body. It doesn't have to be crushing yourself in these long endurance endeavors. It just could be, I'm going to walk. I'm going to get a run in today. I'm going to do some, I'm, uh, I'm excited. I'm having somebody on the podcast today talking about animal flow which I haven't done. I've done a little bit of it, but I did one class with um, this person and I'm doing these sit-outs, these scorpion movements. I'm moving my body in ways that I haven't done in a very long time, like, like since wrestling. And I was like, my caboose, man, my glutes were sore the next day. And I'm like, I didn't even lift, but I'm just putting my body into these different movements, whether it's biking, whether it's running, maybe it's hiking, you know, doing those things, I think movement is essential in the in your life. And we can't just go to the gym, lift, or even get your workout into the day and lift and just say, I check the box. That's it. You get something called uh, the athletic couch potato, mm -hmm. where I crush my workout, man. I crush. You might have hit a PR, all this stuff. What do you do? You go home, 
you put on Netflix and you sit the rest of the day and you just binge or you, or you're like, I did this. So I'm going to eat a deep dish pizza. I'm only using deep dish for, cause we're in Chicago, <laughs> which, which we don't really like. We like tavern style. Deep dish is not you. You have deep dish when people come to visit. That's it. Really? You're kidding. No. You uh, heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. You heard it first people, people that get deep dish, is typically the number one reason is because you have some friends coming from out of town. That's hilarious! Wow, it's all no it's all about tavern style, and uh, we cut our pizza into squares, so that's like okay. a big thing. We nice. don't do it in triangles. Okay, uh, but you'll have your deep dish pizza because you earned it, you know, and you'll sit on the couch and you're just kind of canceling out what you did earlier. So if you can put movement in your day to day and make that a priority of making small it's small decisions, walking places, adding a little like a a little bit of a you want to do a, a short run, you want to get out and about, you want to hike, you want to bike, small decisions throughout the week of movement. I think that is huge. We can't just limit your exercising or your physical activity to the walls of the gym. Cause then that's only, that's the only place it's happening. No, it needs to be happening other, other places. So the movement is a big piece. And then recovery is something I'm, I fight with people, not fight with them, but like all the time they want to go harder and harder and lift more and do more. It's like, you're not giving your body enough time to recover. And I used to be in that mindset. Like if I skipped a day of working out, I would be like, I skipped, I couldn't make it today. So tomorrow I have to do a double and it's just, that's an unsustainable way. That's not how the body works. You know, you're going to have to make sure that after these workouts that you're actually recovering and whether that be adding movement instead of like a hard strength training um, session, but also recovery within the workout. It's what is the cost? What is the cost of your workout? If you're on the floor at the end of the workout, and I'm all for doing hard things, I'm all for doing hard things, but to every day do this Metcon at the end of the workout where you're on the floor panting and you're just absolutely crushed over time, you are going to wear your body down. So with recovery, recovery inside of your programming is also huge because I, I work with high school athletes and all they want to do is keep going heavier, heavier heavier and they haven't even worked on the skill yet like they're not even very good at the back squat or the bench press and they get all excited because they want to keep going heavy like that just breeds injury you're going to be sore the next day you're not going to be able to train so adding recovery into your daily routine into your programming is essential and i think that's why i've said these are the primal foundations these are the four foundations that i like to cover with people because if you have those foundations your structure, your building, your body is going to be so much better. I love that for the long term because this is not a this is not a three month thing. This is a thirty year thing. I love that, dude. I love that. I bumped into one of my clients' sons. He's about nineteen, twenty years old um, at the gym, and he was doing bench press. And he was loading it up, and I spotted him, and we chatted for a little bit. And he's like, "Yeah, you know, in high school when I was playing football, I was able to do three plates on each side. I would love to get back to that." And I said, "Dude, that's." That's really cool. Like, that's great. And you should have goals around strength. But let me tell you, like, I work with people who are my age, like turning 40, and they wanted to do those things also. And now they're dealing with injuries that they really regret because they were pushing number goals that at the end of the day, nobody really cares about to be able to to, to get a certain number. Again, like, it, it's 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 cool, it's good, but just keep in mind that like you're gonna have to deal with that later on, and you might not like the repercussions of doing something like that. You know what I mean? The I have a big problem with. I know he's out of high school now, but I have a big problem with coaches and metrics. Mm. They're so worried about the metrics. You know, they're worried about their the the they have a shuttle run thing. They how many times like they think of like the combine. How many times can you bench 185? And that's what the kids like worry about. That's all they worry about. They're, nothing is developing skill. Nothing is, you know, something that you're focused on for the long term. It's just like this number that the kids care about and how much could they can lift to impress the football coach, the wrestling coach, whatever. 
they talk about the Cooper test. I think it's like a two mile, like within it, it's like two miles. And like, that's for like a big for soccer and people get so caught up on getting, doing very good at the Cooper test. It's like, okay, can they play soccer? Can let's worry about that. You know, we can get the endurance up and all those things. Let's not worry about the metric baseball players. I talk to them inside um, the weight room all the time. And that's a big thing. They're trying to hit these numbers and hit these things They're They might have the crappiest form in the world, but as long as the weight went up on their back squat, as long as they stood it up, that's all that the coach cares about. It's like, we're thinking this ass backwards. Like let's develop long-term strength and get them strong in these areas that will transition into, um, you know, your sport. The co- you need to focus also on the sport. Yes, strength training, endurance is big, but like they still need to do the sport. So what do you care? I don't care what that, if you have the best lineman in the country, but he doesn't bench the much, you know, he doesn't bench as much as some other people. Does that mean he's not a good lineman anymore? <laughs> but he's, but he's good on the field. He's, he's, he shows up, does his job, is a, a difference maker. I don't care what they bench. I don't care. And so I get like, the, again, it's this number thing that people get. They're so into the data, the data, data. I, I get, there's points to it, but it's too much like a money ball thing. Like, yeah. can he hit? Can he hit? Like, yeah. Can he field? Can he, you know, is he a good teammate? Right. Can they help their team, you know? Do, what's their body language like? All those things. I'm a coach. So like I get <laughs> like, those are the ones things that I, I get fired up on. I love it's it. Like, I care. I care more about how they're affecting the team, how they're contributing, you know, how they're doing as a person versus the number of their back squat. Yeah. That is, it, it's nice to know. It's good things to work on, but you got to develop the technique. You got to develop the skill those things will be byproducts of that. The weights will go up as a byproduct, but you're doing them correctly. And like you said, that's why a lot of kids, I think that's why I still have like some back issues because we're doing hand cleans. I'm a freshman in high school. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Right. You know, the coach is like, throw it up here. And I was like, okay, sure. You got it. And we're putting like, and everybody wants to, the ego in the weight room, they want to just load up the plates and they want to impress their friends. And I see it all. It's all about impressing other people, getting back to that whole thing. I sometimes I stay with like a weight. I get kids who really like understand what I'm trying to do in the weight room. They'll stay with the same weight for eight weeks. No progression. The, the volume will vary. You know, it'll be a wave up and down. So it'll get a little bit easier. It'll get a little bit harder. Uh, it's a progression of those numbers and a regression, but the weight stays the same. So they're working on that skill with that weight and they're not focused about adding, 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 adding. They're focused on how well am I doing the reps? Mm. And that is a game changer for kids. I love that. I wish I would have had a PE teacher like you, dude. And if I remember correctly, (laughs) I think Babe Ruth was really big into back squats, wasn't he? Wasn't he a huge like back squatter? I don't know. He was into (laughs) a lot of stuff. The great Bambino. I didn't, you know what? I didn't know he he pitched. I didn't know that either. Wow. Yeah, I, I... Someone's going to fact check this, but I believe he also pitched. That's amazing. <laughs> I was like, the Bambino. <laughs> the Bambino. Uh, that's awesome, dude. And all of us have, I think, coaches in this in this space, all of us have these kind of like buckets that we put things into, and they're all a little bit different. I love hearing how everybody kind of classifies things and whether it's, you know, four foundations or six foundations or whatever. I, I think it's unique that, that you have both strength and movement as two kind of separate things. A lot of people, including myself, like if I'm doing an initial consultation, I kind of group everything into just movement and consider strength part of that. I really love yours having strength separate and not just the physical strength. It could also be the endurance strength to do an Ironman. Like you said, it can also be the mental strength to get through a pandemic. You know, there's, there's lots of different ways to approach that. So I really love that you made that its own separate thing, which is another really good segue. Um, you have a new project that you're starting up called the strength collective. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the strength collective was just kind of, uh, is this a fun project? And I'm not doing a very good job of uh, 
not not marketing it or anything. It's just this little side thing that me and my friend Steve Carlson, who I've also had on the podcast, he's a strong first instructor, um, just a good friend. I've known him for a very long time, and we want to do workshops to teach kettlebells. And not that the Strength Collective is just all about kettlebells, but the big focus is helping people get strong the right way. And when when people grab kettlebells, there's this there's this thing be you see a kettlebell in a hotel room or a hotel gym, you see it at a box gym, all these things. It is a very technical tool and you can do so much with it and that's all you need is a bell you know however when you get people to swing a kettlebell it doesn't look good it, it's like when i first started learning it i thought i was doing it right i was not doing it right and the cleans the presses the different the turkish get ups those things those take time to learn and this is a space and programming for people to actually take the time and learn. Um, you know, we have a beginner 101 program that's somebody that has a bell at home to give them like the basics. The, the problem, you see these like crazy flows on Instagram of the kettlebell, the kid, people throw them over their heads and all they look cool. Long-term strength, probably not. I, I get there's that movement piece in there. If that's something you want to do, cool. Um, but it's basically we get them to learn how to do a, a kettlebell swing. Uh, the we break down how to do a get up, a Turkish get up, because that's a lot of components. Uh, how to press properly, and also some accessory movements of doing you know rack carries. Um, you know how different lunges, how to press without your legs doing a half kneeling press versus trying to stand up and do it. So it's just very basic. It's basic. For a reason, because if you want to learn like future skills in kettlebell, you have to get these things down. So it's just designed to really hone in on how to swing, how to do a get up, how to do a press. And then now we have, we're going to release something called the Forge, which is a nine week program that is geared towards people who are advanced and how to pro, because you can get a kettlebell. And you look online, there's a thousand programs out there. And what is the right one? You know, we feel that we look at strength training as something that it has to be focused on skill, breaking down the movements and working on those things. And it has to be something that you can be, that could be sustainable and repeatable because there's some hard workouts. You can't repeat it in a day. You can't, you can't repeat it in a week. It's, it's too much. Like, I don't think that's the right way to go. And for you to walk away feeling crushed every day, like we talked about earlier, is not my goal. My goal is to get you stronger and, and build the skill. So I feel like we do a pretty good job of, you know, packaging those. Um, they're on train heroic. We package them so that it's like really nice and neat for them. They can add their bell weights. We give them recommendations on what bells they should use. <clears throat> and everybody's going to have a different medium sized bell. Everybody's going to have a different small bell, a large bell, heavy bell. Um, but that's the overarching goal with the programs and make it more accessible. But also we've done a workshop. We want to do more. Again, this is like the side side hustle. So we, we don't meet as often, but we want to get some workshops for just people who want to learn, but we also want to get workshops for trainers. So you don't have to go to do a strong first or a, a whatever thing, a three-day endeavor, pay thousands of dollars to go learn kettlebells for your clients. We want people to come get – it's just like a nice little addition add-on tips and tricks how to cue people into moving with a bell. And every there's a thousand cues out there, and I'm still learning. But just by me and Steve going – back and forth with the one another. He's picked up things from me. I picked up things from him. We did a, a, a workshop one day, a client did something completely different. And I was like, that's awesome. I go do that again. Show me what you just did. <laughs> we were having people do Turkish get-ups and the big thing is when you do Turkish get up, their leg flies up. And so we do, we put a yoga block there or we have somebody put their foot there. So they have something to like 
to push against yeah. so their foot doesn't leave the floor because that way it's more of a hip roll uh, and they don't do like a crunch. So that there was like an odd number out and I didn't notice it at the time. So she just went against the wall and she like put her foot against the wall and was doing the movement, just getting up to her elbow with the wall. I was like, were you just using the wall? And she was like, yeah. And there, she goes, there was another person. I didn't want to, I didn't want to tell you that. So I just went to the side and did it. I go, do that again. And she did. I was like, okay, guys, we're not partnering it up anymore. Everybody find a wall or a post. And that way people got twice as much instruction. And I was like, that is super cool. I'm using this from now on. But learning, you know, different cues, different things for uh, as a trainer that is interested in kettlebells and not having to do this big endeavor of a workshop. I think that me and Steve are pretty passionate about making sure that if we're teaching kettlebells, we're doing it the right way. I love it, man. So, so a younger version of trainer of myself, my, me, like I would have stepped in and corrected that woman and said, you're doing it incorrectly. Now, as long as I know that somebody is not going to get hurt, I never really correct them. I let them do it. And if they come up with a new exercise forevermore, that exercise is called their name. So there, we have a Lori press. <laughs> I've got a Breck press. I've got a few clients who have made stuff up over the years where I'm like, wow, that's actually really good. We're going to keep that. And it's named after you. Congratulations. <laughs> we, we, again, yeah. When you're young, younger, uh, you know, you want to think you know it all. And you think if you don't know it all, that it it takes away from, you know, you're, that you're not a professional. I think it's more professional if you admit, I don't know everything. Yep. You know, I don't know everything. And, and be willing to change your mindset on certain things or change perspective is the sign of a professional because you're not going to know it all. There's just, it's just too much. And if you think you know it all, I'm sure uh, there's way more to learn. You know, I'm still, this is, again, I'm still learning, even though I have certifications, I've, I've, I have a plethora of years in the industry. I'm still learning and getting better every day. And if I don't know something, I'll even say like, I'm not too sure about that. Or, Hey, have you heard about this protocol? I don't really know about that. I can look into it. I'm not sure because you're not going to know everything. That's right. That's right. Well, can you believe that we've been talking for over an hour now? <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love talking to you. And on that note, like just the way you progress through so many different things, you know, from vegan to going carnivore to even saying like, I don't even know if carnivore is the very best for everybody. Like you really do take that approach and you're always learning and progressing and changing your mind about things. And, and you're right. I think that is a sign of a professional and you are a true professional, my friend. Like I love the work that you do. I love how sincere it is. And a lot of this stuff, you just are like giving away. You're just doing like sessions for people because they want, or people can just call or text you and you'll respond to them. Like it's, it's so savage what you're doing and you're not asking for permission. You're just going out and doing it. It's not your main job. It's not your breadwinner. It's, it's just, it's cool, man. It's really inspiring. So I'm so grateful for you and your journey and so grateful that you take time out of your day to come back on our show and update us on everything that the, the um, strength collective. Did I get that right? <laughs> Straight, the straight collective with a K because straight collective you know, with a K. We're trying to try to be cool. I love that. See, I would have gotten that wrong. So there you go. The strength collective <laughs> sounds like an amazing value that's going to help a ton of people. So Tony, this has been awesome. Tell people where they can go to find you and connect with you and your work. Yeah, so they can go to primalfoundations.com and on there I just have, you know, you have access to booking a consultation and i know we've talked earlier you know if people want to reach out to me it's a free 30-minute consultation either talk about strength training or um nutrition i'm always there to help and uh, you can find me on instagram at tony underscore primal foundations excellent we will link all of that like i said it's been an absolute joy to chat with you and get updates on everything that's going on and um yeah again it's super inspiring to to learn about what you're doing and how you're helping people out there so thank you so very much tony for taking the time and coming on our show today we really appreciate you it's, it's an absolute pleasure thanks for having me absolutely always a pleasure and this has been another episode of boundless body radio
Thank you so very much for continuing to listen to Boundless Body Radio. As 2023 has come to a close and we're starting another new year in 2024, I always try to reflect on not only the direction that we want to go in the future, but also how much we have grown in this last year. Our podcast has now generated well over 400,000 downloads from all over the world, and it's all thanks to fantastic listeners like yourself. I hope you are as excited for the new year as we are around here. The lineup of guests that we have coming up is absolutely staggering, and we're always striving to bring you the best content from the most amazing people in health, nutrition, and wellness. Remember that you can always head on over to our website to book a complimentary 30-minute session with us at myboundlessbody.com. On our homepage, there is a book now button where you can select a time to speak with us about your health and fitness plan, especially for the new year. We've absolutely loved chatting with so many of you out there to bounce ideas off each other and try to come up with plans to help you achieve specific goals. And seriously, I really do mean this. Even if it's just to say hello and introduce yourself, we absolutely love connecting with our listeners in the community. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel as well if you want to watch these full interviews and also shorter interviews on more specific topics that are taken from these interviews. We've gotten really great feedback over there, and it's also a really fun way to interact with people who comment. We read and reply to every single YouTube comment we get, so be sure to subscribe to our channel and leave as many comments as you like to keep the conversation going. And of course, if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to make sure that the podcast gets out to more listeners. Your five-star ratings and reviews are the best way to support us here at Boundless Body and to support the podcast at Boundless Body Radio really only takes a moment and it's very meaningful to us. Cheers to 2024 and thank you again for listening to Boundless Body Radio.